Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I have a new surprise segment this week uh, before we talk about Tremors, the masterpiece that is Tremors. Um, Now, the, the surprise segment, I won't necessarily do this every time, but it's called Trailers... And you will be aware, Dan will definitely be aware of this, Arrow used to put trailers before the movie on their old discs. So, do you remember those, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a trailer for our podcast this week um, in the form of an iTunes review that sums up uh, what we do really well. And I figured we might have some new listeners this fortnight because Tremors is such a beloved film. And someone took the effort to write this and we haven't read anything out from the arrowheads for a long time so um here we go here is a trailer for the podcast you're about to listen to so dan mack says on on itunes highly recommended for fans uh sam is a filmmaker and also a film journalist so has interviewed many actors and directors over the years Dan is a special effects and makeup artist, working on many films over the last decade, including many of Ben Wheatley's, Girl on the Third Floor, and the upcoming Possessor, which is out on streaming now. He doesn't say that, but I just did. Uh, Thank you. They pick an Arrow title, discuss it for half an hour, and not just the film, but the whole package, including extras. What I like about this is it's not a promo piece. Some films they love, some are a new discovery for them, and some they don't like or may disagree on. Then they recommend some films based on that title. Then they just recommend unrelated films they've seen in the last fortnight. Their tastes are eclectic and cover the whole gamut. They are genuine cineasts as well as genre fans. Then they have extra features which involves interviews with a range of film-related guests which have included Panos Cosmatos, Sally Potter and Amy Simons. Their live shows at Fright Fest are tremendous fun. I will listen to episodes of films I've seen, but the episodes of films I haven't encourages me to seek them out, then listen to the episode. So there we go. That is such a lovely review. Thank you, Dan Mac. And oh, very nice. Says it all, really, doesn't it? And that last little bit, if our Arrow overlords hear that last little bit <laughs> and hear that we're actually selling some discs, they may well keep us in the new year. Who knows? Dan, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like we're ingrained now like a like a tick under the skin we've got ourselves uh nice and buried in the arrow in the side of the arrow beast oh dan and that is a perfect lead into tremors a film about things that are buried under the surface of perfection yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sums us up too so um dan should we go straight into the plot of tremors i think it should be quite an easy one this time yeah, um, Tremors is about a couple of uh, good old boy handymen uh, who bicker as all good uh, sort of bromance dual leads do, trying desperately to leave a town where they feel their time has run its course, uh, only to be repeatedly stymied ultimately by the appearance of a group of subterranean worm creatures, which... Uh, fans of the franchise will come to know as Graboids. Yep, wonderful. And I would like to go straight into that relationship between those two leads. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a really, really wonderful relationship. You know, people have pointed out that it's got slight homoerotic subtext. Um, they do seem a little bit in love and... Uh, they kind of complete each other, don't they? It's something that's pointed out on one of the commentaries. Um, there's a lovely early moment where it's sort of made clear that one of them always has cigarettes but not a lighter, and the other one has a lighter but not always cigarettes. Um, so that's a nice kind of shorthand to describe their relationship. They need each other, basically. Um, they are great people to spend time with, aren't they? Yeah, they absolutely are. I mean, I think across the cast there's not really any objectionable people even even characters you may not sort of that, that may have more obvious negative traits are not negative characters um and i think that one of the things that makes it such an approachable movie is it's very rare to have a good film about monsters that doesn't go down the man is the greatest monster of all line 
normally if a film doesn't do that it's because it's dumb or unimaginative but actually it's it it's it's quite unique in that tremors doesn't do that and yet it is quite a deep character study while still being very fun frothy and light yeah you make a, a an excellent point there um because i think there's one moment of human drama in the whole thing every all the other kind of threat comes from the the graboids themselves um there's i think there's like one argument in the film and it's kind of it had quite an impact on me this time just how nice everyone is in this film yeah like this is obviously a movie i'm sure you're in the same um on the same rock here dan uh i watched this film over and over and over again oh yeah when i was younger um and yeah just uh, it's kind of a miracle of practical effects but we'll, we'll get on to that but this time i didn't just find it entertaining i found it kind of crazy moving and i don't know if that's just because it's nearly the end of 2020 and i'm fucking exhausted <laughs> or <laughs> whether there's some kind of covidy thing going on but um there's a moment in the film that i kind of i, I won't spoil but there's a bit where someone asks someone else if they're okay and Oh, I'm getting emotional just talking about it now. Um, <laughs> when they give a thumbs up back, I welled up. Like, <laughs> this is a film that has so much genuine heart. Like, more so than any films I've watched in such a long time. Like, how often do you see a film where someone congratulates someone else on doing something well or having a good idea? Do you know what I mean? Um, it's normally someone solves the problem, they move on. But here they take a moment to tell each other well done uh i love it dan <laughs> it's yeah it's a really like I, I think some of that is born of the fact that they desperately wanted it to be a pg in the state okay uh, and this is sort of discussed on the uh on the commentary about you know they were only allowed one use of the word fuck uh and so that's why there's some f uh, but um fred and kevin were like talking like real cowboys so they had to then go in and loop loads out so when i first saw it on tv i assumed it was all dubbed dubbed over and that there was like a more profane version out there but that was what they wanted and uh, and it does have almost like a kind of family movie feel like none of these characters would feel out of place in like a home alone movie or a you know more of a traditional family movie context it just happens to also have these giant monsters in it and that's such a fun like mix especially as for a younger audience member joining it. Absolutely. Um, I think it's maybe on one of the, the documentaries. Or so, uh, there's so many extras on this disc. It's kind of impossible to tell one from the other. These when discs. You, when you've binged them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, actually, I think it's in the commentary by Jonathan Melville where he talks about how he first saw it when he was 16, but he sees, like, kids at conventions who are, like, eight or nine years old um it, it's interesting that you say that about the language because obviously there's an extra on here called pardon my french where um they play the dubbed tv version they basically yeah. play a clip of the original language and then the very funny kind of dub version yeah I mean, like I've, on the I've, robocop I've, disc yeah i exactly i've seen funnier dubs and i think robocop is probably funnier um, but there still are weird moments on this one where you're like, okay, why why did they choose that word or expression um, to replace that word? But uh, yeah, it despite all of that though, it's still. I mean, I found it a scary movie when I saw it when I was younger. Like the concept of uh, a thing like Jaws is scary enough, but if you stay out of the sea, you're all right. Um, and I actually remember. This might be something that I've imagined, Dan, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember a teaser trailer for Tremors that had someone on a beach and you saw something coming like towards them in the sea and then it buries under the sand and gets them. Is that something I've ima imagined or is that... I, I don't think you've imagined you've it because that feels very familiar. Yeah. But I also don't know if it was for an advert for Tremors. Right. Okay, I'm going to look into this, and actually perhaps There's a, some helpful well, arrowheads will be able to help us out there. I saw a movie when I was really young that I remember nothing of other than the general feeling. Mm. I think it was called Blood Beach. 
Oh, yeah, Blood Bloody Beach. Bloody Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got people being dragged down into the sand. It's from, like, 19... Like, early 80s. Maybe, maybe it was. I mean, this is the only time I'm ever going to encourage people to tweet me, so please do tweet me if you know the answer to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, should we get on to the extras, or do you want to talk a bit more about the whole kind of atmosphere and, and everything, the plot, the structure, not plot, the script? Uh, I, I mean, I, the thing. one of the things I was going to mention was how I first saw it. Oh, yeah. Which was a TV showing, and my we were like something had happened at my house, my parental home, and we had had to move out into a flat uh, that we ended up staying in for about six months. I think. I mean, it may have been a lot longer. It felt a lot longer. And uh, my dad and I watched Tremors on a little like fourteen-inch CRT TV, and he loved it. And I loved it. And that was a really, like, we had, we didn't watch a lot of films together, my father and I, so that was really nice. And then I'm pretty sure that straight afterwards, Channel 4 showed Akira. Oh, wow. Which we then watched together. And how did your dad feel about Akira? He fucking loved it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a very, a very nice evening. Yeah, I guess they've both got, like, because, um, you know, for anyone who, who doesn't have this who's never met Dan's dad. Um, Dan's dad is a very, like, very lovely, sweethearted, incredibly intelligent man. And so the sweetness of Tremors, who knows? But I, I wonder if the kind of scientific element um, would have appealed to him. Because I know your dad doesn't like fake science, but pretty much all of the science in this is relatively grounded. And they have that scene where they kind of throw away all the nonsense explanations um, of what the graboids could be, um, and they kind of never explain it. But you know, there's there's some decent enough sciencey stuff in here. It, it, do you think that's what appealed to him? Or yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah, it's always going to be more satisfying to have something unexplained than explained yeah. in a way that that rankles. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's go into the extras. Uh, I've got a feeling there's a lot for you to love in here, Oh, my Dan. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Gillis and Woodruff Jr. talk about... I, so uh, we have uh, a, a friend of mine and a fellow maker, Lee Cranston, staying with us at the moment. He's sort of in our bubble because he's working on a, a job for me um, since before the last lockdown. And so he's been staying here for the entire thing. And we were watching Tremors together and Jen... Uh, my wife was watching it with us and uh there's a bit in one of the effects making ofs where it's a shot of the miniature set and it kind of the camera like tracks around a little and you can see uh woodruff with his arm up the the quarter scale graboid through the wall of the ammo basement oh yeah operating it and both lee and i went oh fucking hell that's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) like exactly the same time and it may not have been those words but we used exactly the same words uh and jen was like all right i'll leave you boys to it you've obviously got some stuff to work through (laughs) that's great i mean it it is beautiful i mean like yeah the the effects featurette where it's just music and you know kind of vhs footage um, oh yeah yeah it kind of really made me think of you and your workshop and yeah um it's just so lovely to see this stuff and i, I my problem there's, there's two great commentaries there's a filmmaker one which was recorded this year and they actually give the date which i always like um i probably preferred the second commentary um by um the author of the tremors book I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but I remember his name is Jonathan Melville. And his is really good, really excellent. It kind of reminded me of the game commentary, though not quite as densely detailed as that. Um, but yeah, one of my favourite bits on the whole disc is the moments where he points out what was miniatures and what was the actual kind of giant head. Yeah. Um, because it's genuinely not something I've ever noticed or thought about. I've always just thought it was all a massive worm. Presumably, Dan, you weren't as fooled as I was. Well, I mean, I, I, again, like uh, like Malkovich, I haven't actually seen this for years. Right. And I, 
and and watching it again you know a little bit of a more critical eye but it's a testament to the to the script and the directing and the performances that i wasn't really watching it as an effects artist i was immediately oh, wow. just transported back to enjoying it so when you know when they show you the the, the scenes and they go okay and then this was a map painting or this was a thing yeah. although actually at the very very beginning i did go oh to start with such a map painting <laughs> so i did immediately spot the cliff face map painting but but there were loads and loads of like little shots where I hadn't noticed that they were miniatures or that it was a that there was a hidden edit. Uh, like they make a big thing in one of the extras about the the shot tracking from the gun being dropped across to the graboid receiving, like you know, writhing through the wall. Yeah, I'd never even considered it. I was just so swept away. Like if you'd said how was this done, I could have gone back and looked at it and figured it out. But the the pace of the film. The excitement of the film was such that that I didn't even think about it. I knew I loved the designs of the creatures. I knew that they were beautiful puppets, but I hadn't stopped and thought about what was rotoscoped and what was miniature and what was full size because I didn't need to. I was just involved in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about the opening shot. I, I very similar to you in that I kind of got pulled into just watching the movie, but there was something that I noticed. And this is going to probably, there's going to be a lot of arrowheads out there going, Sam, you're an idiot. Um, but remember, I was a child when I watched this over and over again. I noticed something I've never noticed in all the millions of times I've seen it. I'm going to do a quiz for you, Dan. <laughs> what did I notice oh. in the opening shot that I, I'd never noticed before, in that matte painting shot? I don't know. What did, what did you notice for the first time? It's that the ended is seeded right at the beginning. And, oh, with the, oh, of course, with and, the, the and, cliff. Yeah, and you know how much I love a circular narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't have it in my head at all until until this viewing. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's just an incredible film. Um, when people talk about the best directorial debuts, Tremors does not come up enough. Um, like, this is an amazing feat for a first-time uh, director. Yeah, just, just unreal. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great film. It's fun. It's accessible. Uh, it's got loads of brilliant rubbery monsters in it that look good. They stand the test of time. Yeah, it's great. And if if you were presented with this script, Dan, um, and you saw that basically all of the film, in fact, maybe even in that script, the whole film would have been because some of it, the night stuff, was reshoots. I think. But anyway. You saw a script where 99% of the effect shots would take place in broad daylight. Um, yeah. How would you feel about that? I mean, that's very exciting. Right, good. Like, the thing is, when when a, an effects artist is told this is all going to take place at night, there are two things that you know. The first is that this is where you're going to cut corners when they try and push the budget down. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that uh, the work you are most proud of will hardly show up. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can put your absolute heart and soul into a, a, a gag or a puppet or, you know, whatever. Uh, but if you're shooting at night, especially if it's, like, frenetic, you might see it for, like, two blurry frames and that's it. And that's something you... that You know, that heartbreak never stops, but you, you have to kind of be ready for it now. But if you're like, oh, yeah, it's all going to be wides and daytime... <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, okay, fuck, well, we have to be really firm about the budget because we're not going to be able to cut corners, but also everything's going to get seen. So it's really worth it. And um, as much as I adore the design of the Graboids, it's so iconic and, you know, I, the, the VHS cover is so burned into my brain. Um, but uh, a cruel part of me, you know, a sadistic part of me does wish that they hadn't noticed what was noticed very early on in the design process um, before the design got changed. Um, Dan, do you want to talk a little bit about the original design of the Graboids? I feel like I may have missed an extra oh, because okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, well, it is an incredibly packed disc. It, yeah, it's uh, insane. And I, I had to be quite selective. <laughs> um, there's a wonderful bit, I think it's on the archive making of... Um, which I really recommend, by the way. Um, there's two making ofs. There's a new one and there's a, a yeah. longer archive one. And the archive one 
there's just it's got the a, a fresh energy whereas the the new making of is great and the stories are great but it's like they're remembering a story that they've told many times, whereas the the older one feels like they're telling that story for the first time, if that makes sense. But yeah, there's yeah, a lovely yeah. bit where they talk about um, how it was kind of more of a worm. Did it look like a dick? Worms, exactly. And it, it basically, it was modelled after kind of a turtle's head. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they, they sent the design um, to, to the offices and their feedback was that... Um, all the women in the office that looked at this design had laughed at it because basically it just looked like a foreskin um, at, at the end. And uh, they rather naively and innocently hadn't really thought of that at all. So, yeah, the idea of people being pursued by um, giant dicks through the desert does, <laughs> you know, that does appeal to me on some level. Maybe it will happen one day. Um, I was going to say that's the, <laughs> that's obviously the difference between me and Alec Gillis and and Woodruff because uh, I I definitely know that everything I design looks like dicks. <laughs> that's I, that's what I strive for. That's what you get. That's that's my brand. <laughs> Uh, and on that wonderful note, should we move into recommendations based on tremors, or do we have more to say? I mean, it feels like we should, probably could talk for a couple of hours on this film. Certainly, going into all the extras, but. Yeah, just pick up pick up the disc when it's out. I'd say to you, beloved Aaron. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. As I as I said, I I didn't get through all of the extras. It's got a whole second disc, yeah. uh, packed with extras. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. When you said that there was another creature design, I had wondered if maybe that the creature on the poster, which is about eighty percent the creature in the movie, yeah. but with a very different set of teeth and no tentacles. Yeah, uh, I wondered if that was actually the original design. I wonder if that's where you were going until you started sounding like you were beating around the bush and then I knew it looked like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam's ramping up to saying the word penis. <laughs> I recognise this. <laughs> I mean, we did live together for 10 years. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it was, I, I tell you one thing that the, on the extras, there was a, there was an interview with, I think she was the second unit producer and associate producer of the whole movie. And it's the only time anyone's like shitting on the effects. And about like five or six times in that interview, she's like, I mean, and a lot of the effects didn't work and they were the real nightmare of the shoot. And, you know, uh, and I just, I got so cross. Yeah, I bet you did. I got so cross with that. But there is an amazing shot and they didn't address it. And again, it may have been addressed in, in one of the extras I hadn't seen. But there's a shot of a miniature where they've got a whole graboid leaving the ground and then going like a block above ground and then going back underground. Mm. Just, I mean, it's not great the way you see it, but it's not been cut in and that's not necessarily how it was going to be edited and shot yeah. and everything. But but it's interesting to think that there are, you know, that even on a film of this like polish, it's only that polished because, you know, they they knew what to choose. They knew what to take, and anything that wasn't absolutely one hundred percent was was discarded. Yeah, and apparently, um, I know you hate test audience screenings, Dan, but um, I I think this kind of had quite a positive journey through that process. Oh yeah, um, you know, starting with kind of filmmakers and peers who filled out little forms, including James Cameron, um, and apparently they cut it to ramp up the pace a bit and, and make the humor land um and then there's something that i won't spoil because you know it's the very end and people won't have seen it um who are listening to this but all i'll say is that there was a test audience who were shouting for something they wanted to happen they were shouting that at the screen and um and lo and behold they did reshoots and made that thing happen so um, yeah i'll keep that nice yeah. and vague but um for those who do know, I was shouting the same thing alone at uh, a screening of Alien versus Predator at the Tottenham Court Road Odeon just on a random night when it was released. Yeah, it was, at the it end. was too late for them to make the changes, but the, the rest of the they, people I don't in think the they audience were there. certainly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. Well, let's let's get into recommendations i think i'm kind of putting this off because i know that my recommendations are relatively shit this fortnight um but it's a really difficult film to make recommendations it really is film. isn't it um, i struggled yeah so yeah i struggled too dan so why don't you go first what have you got 
Uh, from 1998, it's Stephen Summers' Deep Rising. Oh, shit. That is so perfect. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so unlike tremors everybody in it is a prick <laughs> yeah yeah like there is not a likable character in the cast and i say that as someone who has quite a lot of time for treat williams yeah but uh despite the the presence you know it's quite a few years later despite despite the presence of, of a lot of cgi there's a lot of practical stuff in there as well um it's a really fun monster movie they're obviously going for something on the same tone as tremors even though they've made everyone unlikable i suspect what's happened is that they've been told you need conflict you've got to have conflict and so what they've done is they've just amped up everyone fighting which is exactly what tremors didn't need to do so it's not as good as tremors but it is really good and it's definitely underseen uh, a blu-ray's just come out in the states um it's a really really fun movie it's got a great creature design in it uh and it, it desperately deserves a sequel they've given uh treat williams a crap catchphrase that he says all the way through it and he does say it like right at the end as well in a sort of like what's coming next kind of moment yeah it's, it's great fun yeah relatively underseen i'd say because it's never had a decent disc release in this country um, no 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 i think my, my dvd is american as well yeah, definitely one for Arrow to pick up because, um, yeah, yeah. And, and Treat Williams has kind of a, a Bruce Campbell energy in that film, like kind of halfway between Bruce Campbell and Kurt Russell. Um, yes, that's exactly right, yeah. So, and it's, I mean, it's a yeah. good cast. Uh, yeah. uh, Famke Janssen's in it, Jason Fleming's in it. Uh, I don't think it made a huge amount of money. I do know that there's a scene in which the ship kind of rolls and a bandstand slides across the ship mm. and like smashes up. And I noticed that that miniature, it's all miniatures, that that sequence had obviously been like sold to a, uh, like a stock footage library because oh, yeah. it, it turns up in the, uh, ice tea, um, <laughs> cruise ship, uh, heist movie, uh, final voyage wow I, I remember watching that it is a stinker i'm not recommending final voyage <laughs> uh, i remember watching that and being like i know that i know that bandstand <laughs> i know that bandstand sliding across the room uh and it was indeed just just lifted wholesale from deep rising oh that's brilliant I love presumably it they paid for it yeah well you'd hope so um well my first recommendation is a film that we have never discussed on the podcast before in all the thousands of movies we've we've talked about um we have never once uttered the words city slickers however <laughs> <laughs> it was directed by ron underwood uh, the director of tremors i believe it's his follow-up um it, it must have been it was released the year after 1991 um, now, I, I love a Western, as we all know, uh, and I love Jack Palance. Um, and yeah, City Slickers is a genuinely funny, sweet movie with the kind of romantic comedy energy that Tremors has. Um, it's about a trio of city dudes who go on a two-week cattle drive from New Mexico to Colorado, and they find themselves in the process. Um, there are no gnarly monsters in the movie unless you count curly jack palance's character um but it does have the humor of tremors you know it's cheesier for sure um but fuck it it's nearly christmas um and city slickers uh for regular listener katie uh features uh, jake gillenhall's first ever appearance in the film so um i know katie's a fan of jake city slickers I recommend it. <laughs> Honestly, I do. <laughs> I I feel I feel like we have mentioned it before because of that, because of Gyllenhaal. Shit, but well, maybe not. Um, maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe a, pr Donnie a prize Darko, so. for who who can tell us what other episode it's in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just said <laughs> the Donnie Dark episode, but if it's not, oh. then yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah, okay. anyway, City Slickers, just go out and watch it, you guys. Um, Dan, what's next, recommendations-wise, off the back of Tremors? Uh, you mentioned his son. It's George B. Cosmatos' uh, oh, 1989 yeah. movie Leviathan. Fantastic. It's it's not the best film in the world, 
let's be honest. Uh, but Stan Winston did the effects. Uh, it's got some really fun, like, Lovecraftian vibes going on mm. in the effects. Uh, like, watching it, I felt very much like uh, it, it might have had, like, a sort of a, a bleed influence into some of the stuff that we did for Colour Out of Space. There's a lot of faces in bodies and, and tentacly bits coming off people and melding. And Peter Weller is always fun to watch. It's it's basically uh, if you liked the tone of Alien but thought the Abyss was too boring, but like the setting of the Abyss, then they made Leviathan for you. Yay! Tone of Aliens, rather. Yeah. Great. It doesn't. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have the the glitz and the polish of of Aliens. It doesn't have the glitz and the polish of any of those films. No. And it does have the worst designed flamethrowers I've ever seen. <laughs> What <laughs> worse than what was that film that we watched recently? Fuck! What was the name of it? Where the director catches himself on fire at the start? Come on, Dan, help me out. Here. Oh yeah, uh, white fire. Uh, white fire. Yeah, white fire. That's it. it worse. Oh, worse than those. That. Those. I mean, those. Those flamethrowers did their job. <laughs> <laughs> These yeah, flamethrowers look like uh, someone took a uh, a Nerf gun, like a Nerf minigun. And then just painted it silver and lit the front on fire. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Um, excellent recommendation. And uh, just in case we do have any uh, new listeners, I, I am normally better at recalling the titles of films that I've watched within the last few months. However, like I said before, it's the end of a very long year. We're all very tired. I've got a script I've got to deliver by Tuesday. And that probably explains why I'm about to recommend Deep Blue Sea off the back of Tremors. I'm so sorry. Um, this recommendation is dedicated to my friend Charlie Steed, who inexplicably loves this franchise. But Tremors was originally called Land Sharks, and yeah. Deep Blue Sea is about giant intelligent sharks who have to be outsmarted as much as they need to be defeated, kind of just yeah. like the Graboids in Tremors. Um, it's not my favourite movie, as you may have guessed, but it is fun. And I couldn't really recommend Jurassic Park or Jaws. I know that Arrowheads, some Arrowheads haven't seen everything that we recommend, but um, they probably have seen those two. But if you haven't seen Jaws, watch Jaws. Yeah, Jaws is quite good. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I tell you what, those sharks in Jaws, have they got a brain the size of a V8 engine? Exactly, Dan, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have they just escaped a lifetime of captivity? Well, certainly not. <laughs> fucking deep blue sea i'll tell you what what i'd recommend off the back of deep blue sea is the making of clip of the physical shark that picks up the guy like when it's strapped down yeah and then it like rides and it grabs the guy yeah yeah that puppet which i just assumed was good to digital because there's so much else in the film isn't is yeah. digital yeah, yeah, albeit yeah. not great but it's such a fucking amazing puppet like it's so big yeah uh, I haven't actually seen that. So, yeah, I will, I will check that out as well. Another recommendation for me. Fantastic. So into what we've been watching the past couple of weeks. Dan, what have you got for us first? Well, I know you love it when I recommend films that you can't see in England. <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely do. Um, what, what have we got? Um, so I've got two. Uh, I've got an American film uh, that we watched via Jen's American accounts, you know, American credit cards and VPNs and stuff. Uh, and I've got a Korean film, which has come out on Blu-ray in Germany. Which one do you want first, Sam? Oh, let's let's go for the American one. All right, so the American one is one that we put on because we thought it was going to be garbage and we wanted something we didn't have to pay attention to and it would just, like, sort of veg out. We were absolutely exhausted. And it turned out to be a pretty decent film. Uh, it's called The Binge. Okay. You heard of this? No. Jeremy Gerlich, uh from this year... Uh, Skylar Gazondo from Vacation, uh, Dexter Darden from Maze Runner, and Eduardo Franco from Booksmart are three young friends getting together uh, ahead of the prom on the night of the prom. But here's the twist, <laughs> and this, and you'll see why we thought it was going to be shit. It's like The Purge, but in a world where all drugs and alcohol have been illegalized, but there's one night a year where you're allowed to get fucked up. Okay. So none of them have ever drunk before. Uh -huh. None of them have ever taken drugs before. Uh, Skylar's character is in love with uh, the principal's daughter, 
uh, and he sort of soft approves of Skylar. He's played by Vince Vaughn, uh, and so he doesn't want to like risk the father approving of him by getting all fucked up. But his friends are like, "Come on, it's our first, per- it's our first binge. You know, we're we're old enough to take part in the binge. It's amazing. We should do it." Um, and then it just turns into a huge drink drug movie, but with the slightly peculiar premise that it's only one night a year, and that kind of justifies that they're taking all of the drugs got it all of them um it's actually really solid it's really funny it's well structured it's a little 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 flabby in the second act but uh especially with a slightly overlong weird musical number when they're all on acid but it's 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 actually pretty tight the comedy's good the structure's good the performances are good it's a it's a solid comedy it's a solid comedy well there's not a lot around at the moment (laughs) This has worked out very well because um, Dan knows that I hate drug movies and I know that Dan hates Nazi movies. And my first recommendation is The Night Porter, um, which is one of (laughs) the darkest (laughs) Nazi movies. It's a very harrowing, complex movie. Um, It's about a Jewish woman who was abused in a concentration camp who is drawn to her tormentor years later um, so it's kind of a, a, a psychosexual kind of horror drama um, about how we return to bad situations because they feel familiar. Um, but it is also a masterpiece, previously available on the Criterion Collection, now available in the UK on 4K Blu-ray by Cult Films. Um, there aren't loads of extras. There's an interview with the director, uh, Liliana Cavani and star Charlotte Rampling, like two separate interviews. Um, and this is a film that was kind of replayed over and over on Z Channel. And um, everyone knows how I feel about the documentary Z Channel, a magnificent obsession. It pops up in that documentary. So, yeah, uh, definitely worth adding to your collection if you can handle super dark stuff. The Night Porter, I recommend it. Dan, what are your feelings about The Night Porter? I know you will have seen it. Yeah, it's an amazing film. I, I, like, I, I don't dislike Nazi films. I dislike Nazis. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, me too. Can I just say I, that? Get that in there quite quickly. I also dislike Nazis. Um, I, think the, yeah. uh, I think the issue is when... I, mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you're referring to. I think it's just that I don't like films that are when the Nazis aren't the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, me t- and again, me too. Um, oh goodness! Anyway, right, Dan. What's your next recommendation? Uh, my next recommendation is a Korean film. I think it has a Korean Blu-ray. It definitely has a German Blu-ray. It's uh, by Kwang Bin Kim. It's called The Closet. Um, I I was sort of slightly torn about whether or not to recommend it both films this this time uh, I was a little uh, torn about uh, The Closet is a Korean horror film and it is probably the most uh, like overtly western of the Korean horror films I've seen in a very long time like it's basically just trying to be a Blumhouse film but it also it still has that like Korean like genre shift that i talk about so much when i'm talking about korean films um but it feels so much more stark and sudden because it's trying so hard to be a a sort of a western film it's ostensibly about the disappearance of children it's got a kind of poltergeisty vibe to the first chunk of it then it turns into a like it's got a super fucking dark moment turns into a insane like crime procedural for about five minutes um, by the end, it's like Tim Burton directing Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's all over the fucking place. Like, sound stages and CGI birds and weird silhouetted, like, German expressionist trees. Oh, God, that sounds like heaven. It's it's very fucking weird. It's definitely not going to be for everybody. Some of it feels a bit hokey. Not everything lands. But it's got some brilliant stuff in it. The big letdown for me is the design of the ghost kids. I think they're not particularly beautifully designed. Right. But uh, but aside, like, yeah, I think that undermines some of the spookiness a little bit. But there is some genuine tension in there. There's some genuinely scary moments. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's got a good cast as well. Uh, it stars Jung Woo Ha, who is the one that isn't Yoon Suk Kim from The Chaser and Yellow Sea. Like, you know, he's fucking great and he really carries it. Mm. So, yeah, it's worth your time. 
fantastic. That sounds amazing. Um, and I've remembered where the, the whole Nazi thing is, just to take it back to that conversation, because, you know, I don't feel it was awkward enough. Um, <laughs> if Arrowheads go back and listen to our episode on the woman, um, there's quite a funny moment where Dan talks about how much he hates Nazis and so can't watch Nazi films at the moment. And then I realised that my next recommendation is a Nazi film. So that's where that comes from. Um, but, you know, real ones, no. So, uh, good. It's my oh, turn. yeah, it was just because just because there were a lot of Nazis in the real world yeah. <laughs> at that um, point. Like, they were particularly are. prevalent. Oh, they definitely are. But I was... I was suffering. I was suffering a new wave of Nazi fatigue at that point. Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, it, yeah. Uh, I'm going to just stop talking about Nazis now, and instead, I'm going to make my next recommendation, which isn't a film, it isn't a television show, it isn't a book, it isn't a song. It is a lecture series, um, Mary Wilde's Projections lecture series, uh, because I attended one uh, this last week. I haven't had much time to watch films recently, but I did spend a whole day uh, in Mary's company via Zoom uh, for her Women in Horror Films uh, course, where she explored the themes and images of a wide range of films, including House of the Devil, um, uh, Midsummer, and some Arrow titles as well, so Videodrome and Climax, um, and yeah, a couple more. But she basically applied... Freudian analysis uh, to these films and brought out some real, real depth. Um, you will never watch Brain Dead in the same way again, or indeed Midsommar, which I gained new appreciation of, believe it or not. Yeah, it was an amazing day. It ran from, what was it, something like 10 till 5? So um, pretty intense, but just in an amazing way. You just get hit with like beautiful analysis after beautiful analysis it was amazing so yeah her next event is in january and it will explore david bowie's music videos and movies so if you follow her on twitter she's really good at promoting all of her events um they all take place at the uh, freud museum um so yeah either follow the freud museum or follow mary at psychstar which is p-s-y-c-s-t-a-r on twitter and um yeah if you can attend one of these lectures uh, if you're a filmmaker or a film fan it will be richly rewarding for all of you um yeah it was great so are they they, um, archived at all um so i don't know if they are but i think mary sometimes does repeats so if women in horror films does come back definitely do that and also if you're not able to attend on the day um they do send out like a kind of time restricted link to watch the whole thing at your leisure so um you can watch it in bits or whatever i think this one will be available for the whole of december for people who attended um but yeah just keep an eye out and if you can attend one of them you most definitely should nice that's it isn't it that's everything oh well almost for this bit extra extra features extra features extra features extra features extra features extra features now dan you have an extra feature i do i've got an extra feature um i've got a friend sam shut up yeah i've got a friend and he's a he's a writer he's a writer who has had films made hang on Um, is is, is it me (laughs) (laughs) i've got another friend (laughs) Uh, his name is Kevin Hayne. Oh, yes, uh, I love Kev. And he wrote a little film called Grabbers, which has a little bit of an inspiration based in his love of Tremors. Just before we announced that we were going to be covering Tremors, he mentioned that he was going to be watching the entire Tremors franchise, all seven films. And so I had a chat with him about the other films, well, and Tremors, all seven films. This is it. I'm joined now by Kevin Lahane, uh, a lovely man and a fantastic writer and quite an enthusiast of the Tremors franchise. Kevin, thank you for joining me. Nice one. Nice to be here. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I I guess, first of all, I should ask you uh, how you first saw the first Tremors film. 
I don't actually remember when I first saw it. It's just sort of always existed. I do remember the first time I heard about it, though. I remember being um, in primary school and one of the guys in the class was pitching the film to us and saying there was a great scene in it where this guy had a basketball and he kept bouncing it and bouncing it and the basketball disappeared. And I thought, what is this film? And uh, it turned out to be Tremors, which I remember years later. But when I first saw it, I don't know, it was probably on the BBC or something. But um, once I saw it, it just became a, a fast favourite and one of my most uh, beloved films. Yeah, I mean, in conversations uh, that we've had and in interviews in the past, you've mentioned its influence on uh, your best-known uh, work, Grabbers, the uh, the monster movie. Do you want to talk about the connection between the two there? I would say that if there wasn't Tremors as a point of reference to me, there wouldn't be Grabbers. Um they were quite different in terms of their story, but tonally, uh, I tried to make them as similar as I could because um, I just loved the, the joyous feel of Tremors. And I remember rewatching the film over and over again. It, it took me about six weeks to, to write the first draft of Tremors. And in that time, you know, you, you try to sort of stay in the zone and uh, not deviate too much tonally on what you're, you're, you set off to do. And uh, sometimes you can lose sort of focus and things can start to evolve beyond what you initially intended. So I would constantly go back and rewatch Tremors to sort of stay in that that sort of joyful ensemble, um, clever uh, uh, sort of monster movie that feels very very different to every other monster movie that's out there. Um, and yeah, it, I couldn't really think of another film that would be um, as much of a touchstone as Tremors was on Grabbers. I'll tell um, you something else though. Yeah. I, didn't know i didn't know like i already watched the sequels to tremors quite recently i avoided them for a long long time because i thought they were direct to video and they were only going to tarnish what was so um special for me about the first one and i didn't not know that uh, the uh, creatures in tremors are called graboids i thought that it was left completely open and that it was just sort of them pitching what ifs like they didn't they didn't settle on anything in tremors they never famously went back and sort of told you whether they were aliens or whether they're prehistoric or and they didn't settle on a name either so when i was coming up with a name for grabbers i didn't realize that i was that close to what the tremors creatures were called <laughs> so it's only years later where i thought grabbers graboids that's probably a little bit too close but i thought that i was in the clear um there you go so that I mean that neatly segues into what I the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was this. Uh, just coincidentally, when when Sam and I uh, decided that we were going to do uh, Tremors, which obviously is a, a recent release uh, from Arrow, you had mentioned in our our occasional film quiz uh, evenings that you were going to rewatch all of the films. I, I thought rewatch, but it, it sounds from what you just said like that, that was a first time watching the the sequel. No, it was a. F- it was a first watch for me. I avoided them just because I, you know, I consider Tremors to be up there with the Holy Trinity of Alien and The Thing in terms of monster movies. I don't think there's anything that, that is, uh, there are a few films that are as perfect as those three. Um, and so I just thought it would be too much of a painful experience to see it just diminish over time. But I was um, really pleasantly surprised. Uh, I found it to be, uh, quite a, a pleasant experience watching the the sequels. Many of them are, are you know, they benefit from having the same writers uh, over the first three, and it really is um, they're, they're really on par with them in terms of the the charm and the the um, the sense of humour as the first ones, which completely caught me by surprise because I did not expect that at all. Nice. I mean, I think you said uh on our whatsapp that uh that actually the the original writers uh is it ss wilson and brett maddock stayed on for a yeah. number of the sequels for the first three i believe okay and they, they took you know they, they did a sort of a, a an unusual thing which is that one of them would direct and then the next one would direct and they just kept handing it back and forth between each other as they were writing the films and uh what really took my surprise was that the fourth one is probably my favorite of the sequels and fourth one. I never would have, uh, yeah, I never would have anticipated that. The fourth one is where they go back in time. And Michael Gross's character, he he plays a different, um, he pl- he plays a very different character in in the uh, in the fourth one, which is set, you know, about 150 years before uh, Tremors, and um, he's quite an, uh, a fey character, quite a posh sort of um, rich guy that comes into town and sort of pays to um, to have. Uh, uh, 
a sort of a team go out there and kill what are the first encounter with the with the graboids, and uh, it's quite a pleasant, fun, clever film, and yeah, it's a, a highlight for me out of the, the seven films. So, do, do you remember them well enough that you can run us through quickly what they uh, what they're about? The the sequels. <laughs> no, <laughs> we do a quiz. And I regularly come last in the quiz because, as I've just demonstrated, I have terrible recall. But um, <laughs> I can I can give it a go. Uh, so the second one brings back uh, Bert Ward and um, or Fred Ward, and he's uh, he's got sort of the, the the main thrust of that story, and it, it's quite fun in that it brings in the um, Shriekers, which are sort of very similar to the um, Jumpers and Grabbers. They're um, an evolution uh, of, from the the underground worms, um, and they're quite chicken-like. It's got a lot of humour. It's it's it sort of closes off his storyline. He finds love, um, and it's uh, it benefits from having the same writers. It's got the same sense of humour. There's some great lines in it. Um, the third one then is back to perfection, and that is sort of like um, it's sort of like a reunion for everybody. They bring back everyone uh, apart from Fred and Kevin Bacon. Um, all the, the side characters are, are back and uh, it's quite fun to see them it's not as uh, funny to me as the first one but there are some great set pieces and what stands out amongst these direct video sequels is that they really went out with the monster effects they actually bring in you know full size graboids and they um, they put their money where they, where they can afford to, to um, you know get the most out of it so you do have huge set pieces with the full size uh, graboids um, nice and then the the fourth one is the one which is it goes back to uh, it's the legend begins and it goes back to like 150 years ago and it opens with the uh, Chinese railroad and uh, the miners getting attacked and they have what I loved about the the, the series as it went along is they have a lot of um, inventive set pieces and uh, you know having tremors in a mine shaft that's you know already you're starting off with a really clever concept um, and it was just fun after that you know the writers step away from the franchise i believe they did a tv show but i haven't seen that um and i think it would be quite fun to watch that to be honest but they stepped away and there is a sort of a, a change in tone and the jamie kennedy um sequels the they're not as um they're not as witty as as the first three or first four uh and the the last one shrikoel is probably the best of the of the non Wilson and Braddock films, but um, that's where you get into diminishing returns, where it feels like it's not just that the budget is letting it down, it's that the tone of the films has slightly changed, and they start to feel a little bit more in the Sharknado realm, um, but there's merit in all of them, and one of the consistent sort of joys of the whole franchise is, is having uh, um, gross there, and it really becomes apparent that this is like the Burt Gummer franchise, and he really just holds it all together, It's he's having so much fun with it, and the fact that he's so invested, you know, you, you really, you really sort of um, get invested with that character. So, uh, Shrieker Island was this year. It was 2020, right? That came out. It was, yeah. Are they are the effects still predominantly practical, or are we leaning more heavily on digital effects at this point? No, it's it's all digital at this at oh, this stage. But sure. they do something really fun. They do something really fun with Shrieker Island, which uh, they probably couldn't have done in the original because you know they were dealing with a practical effect. But in the seventh one, the uh, graboids, they spin. So they, they sort of rotate at a, at a colossal speed, and that's what powers them through the, the Earth. So whenever they sort of break out of the, the, the soil, they're rotating, they're spinning like a, like a tornado. And I thought that was quite a clever sort of like addition to what the, um, to what the, the, the sort of the mechanics was of the graboids and how they sort of propel themselves through the, through the Earth. But um, no, it's all digital at that stage. It's... it's they're, they're better effects than you'd expect, but there is a sort of um, a tangibleness that you lose whenever you've got sort of digital effects that are, uh, you know, done on a budget that you lose. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Well, thank you so much. I guess, like, would you would you write a Tremors movie if they asked you now that the, the franchise has gone on so long? Or would that feel like stepping into a very cold bed? Uh... I'd give it a go. Why not? It'd be fun to sort of... Uh, the only thing is that y you don't have the Burt Gummer character after the seventh one. Uh, spoiler alert for that. 
Um, and I do think that he is sort of the linchpin of the whole series. So you'd be essentially starting from scratch. Um, but I mean, they're, they're such, the, the concept is so great and it's so fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Great to talk to you. There you go. Fantastic. And and Kev, can I just make something clear? Even though, you know, I was being playful before Dan introduced you, uh, I did know that you were going to be on this episode. And so I knew that Grabbers would be covered, which is why neither yes. of us recommended it, because that is Absolutely. a perfect recommendation off the back of uh, of Tremors. So um, yeah, just heavily endorsed by both Sam and myself. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Lovely. Um, right, that's I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you Go what on. Grabbers needs. Grabbers needs a Blu-ray with Kevin doing a commentary. Oh, yes. Yes, please, Arrow. Arrow video. You never listen to me, but, you know, just this once. Anyway, yes, good. Should we do social we should. Media? We, we do occasionally know about things Arrow are releasing before they get announced. We should just start telling them they should do that, and then it'll look like we have some sway. Oh, that's a fucking great idea. That sneak a, them in. That's a great <laughs> idea. Either that, or let's start announcing stuff that they're not doing, so they have to do it <laughs> off the back of us saying it. That Make will... up extra features that they've got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like commentaries by us, documentaries by us, <laughs> cover art <laughs> by us. <laughs> yes, that's they would love that. <laughs> Um, right, let's do our social media. Dan, how can people find you? Uh, I'm at 13fingerfx uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter is mostly just me retweeting people being nice about Possessor at the moment, uh, but I promise it'll go back to me being grumpy about British politics in the near future. Um, Instagram, <laughs> I'm trying to be more uh, effecty, um, post more sort of like little shots from like sneak peeks of stuff I'm working on, little like mechanisms and things that I'm working on and figuring out. So yeah, there you go. That but stuff. Basically imagine the effects feature on the Tremors disc, but on social media and that is Dan's One Instagram. frame at a time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, do do follow uh, Dan on Instagram and Twitter. As for me, I'm not going to mention socials this time. Instead, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about the announcement that I was going to try and do on the podcast, but ended up doing on social media because events kind of... Anyway, um, things moved faster than I was expecting. And you will now have an opportunity right now to watch my second film, A Little More Flesh, um, which regular Arrowheads will have heard me talking about during its actual production... Uh, it has now premiered on Troma's streaming service, Troma Now, uh, and all your favourite Troma movies are on there too, including Class of Newcomb High, Toxic Avenger, Troma and Juliet, as well as some you might not have seen, uh, like Combat Shock, which is yes. a film they distributed and is fucking incredible, one of the best endings ever, um, and the brilliant documentary about the indie spirit of Troma, all the love you can, which is one I of filmed my some of that favorite. Um, what's that? Say that again. I, I filmed some of that. I have no idea. What? Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that I, I filmed? Shit! Was that the year that you you spent a lot of time with them? That then? was one of the four years I spent a lot of time oh, with them. Yeah, wow. amazing. So there you go. Um, there's extras on there too. Combat Shock has a director's commentary, which is excellent, and the first month is free. So head on over there. Please do watch a little more flesh first so they know that I'm the one who sent you. But do watch all of those uh, other amazing movies, but especially mine, mostly mine. A little more flesh, <laughs> Troma now. Thank you very much. That's it. And now that that's out, uh, the clock is ticking until I start posting making of films and photographs of my bit. Oh. Uh, but you'll have to make sure you follow me on Instagram because there's no way Instagram's going to leave them up for more than an hour. <laughs> yes oh my god yes um you know maybe give it a month maybe it can be a christmas treat for everyone um oh yeah no no i i, I normally try and leave a, a chunk i'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything early but i i love that idea yes don't get banned from instagram for doing it but but do do it um amazing i can't wait to see those two all right well i've seen i've seen some really anyway um let's not go into it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh that's it isn't it that's the end that's it that's all that's all you got i'm gonna do my catchphrase and please do rate review and 
subscribe and all that stuff because we need oh yeah if you listeners. leave us try and leave us uh, a review that we read out exactly and maybe we'll read it out exactly exactly all right well thank you so much for listening and we promise 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 to be more professional next, next time, time. bye bye bye